We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, the NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes. And we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And we are talking about a Nets win, 145-141. One of the best games of the NBA season so far. And our guys came up on top. Jack, how are we feeling? No defense, but wins. <laughs> wins, 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 wins. What are we talking, 286 points? Yeah. <laughs> Good math, my dude. Good math. Maybe I need to get in the teacher business too. But hey, I, hey, I, hey, let, 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 leave, the, leave that to me, and I'll leave you to the hosting of podcasts. Yeah, let's get to this game, my dude. I'm sick of teaching, but you know who was out there teaching some lessons tonight? Kevin freaking Durant. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Before we get into it, though, quick reminder, you can find us on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, like I said, one of the most exciting games of the season, not much defense, and it came down to the wire. It was a close game back and forth, and the Nets really didn't lock this one up until about the 36-second mark where Kyrie Irving hit that beautiful fadeaway in the paint. Oh, he was... His first half, you know, 1 of 10 from the field or 1 of 9, I can't remember what it was specifically, but good players show a quality mentality of next shot. That's all that matters is the next shot. The maturity, the confidence, it, it was never going away. And it seemed to me that the consensus was, Kyrie's going to close here. Kyrie's going to kill it. And he seemed to be the closer in a lot of respects. He's taken the impetus himself. And, you know, you have Kevin Durant there to, to make plays as well. And he was just so damn crucial in that third quarter, especially. But yeah, Kyrie Irving just leading the way. And a massive Jared Allen rebound. Steve, thanks for listening to the pod, mate. That's what happens when you play the Afro. Yeah, I thought it was a really good adjustment from Steve Nash in terms of playing Jared Allen in that second half and even playing Jeff Green at center more than playing DeAndre Jordan. But like you said, Kyrie Irving, 
wasn't great for the first three quarters in terms of his shooting and his offense. Really just was a little bit off, but he came locked in in that fourth quarter, and he really carried the Nets home. And even KD was like, I think he just knew Kyrie was cooking and let him do his thing. And I think it was a little bit easier for Kyrie to score, especially with the lack of uh, Atlanta's paint defense. Like, he was able to get to a lot of his spots and get really comfortable. Where in the first half, maybe he was focused a little bit with his three ball. But when he's on that in-between range, he can shoot over almost anybody in the league. Like, we saw the an opening night against Golden State, shooting over, like, Kavon Looney and James Wiseman. Yeah, look, it was... He showed, he led the way and, you know, his offensive repertoire is, is, is unparalleled. And I thought his, his passing was quite good tonight. He's just good at getting to his spots and yep. they're, you know, him and KD, you know, you can't stop them. If they, there's no defender or good offense always beats good defense. And when you have two of the most goodest players in the offensive side of the ball, you ain't going to stop them. You know, Kevin Durant's going to shoot over Cam Reddish. He seems like he does that once a game where it's just like, there's a six, eight guy on him. And he's just like, you know what? I'll go like three, four inches on you. I'm just going to shoot over your head. Yeah, that back-to-back stretch where I think he had one over Kevin Herter and then he went to the other side of the floor and had one over Bogdanovich, I want to say. That was just disgusting. It was just like, okay, well, you can't stop this. (laughs) Good luck. It'll be fun. And I think this is kind of just a sample size of what we're going to see moving forward in terms of, like, the Nets in close games. Like, it's going to be Kyrie. It's going to be KD. And whoever has it on is probably going to get those last looks. And it's such a luxury having these guys. And not to mention, you know, your guy Joe Harris did an excellent job huh. spacing the floor tonight. And I thought even like he struggled against Trey Young, but he still had some nice hustle plays mixed in. Oh, I thought that he, without Joe Harris's first half, the Nets wouldn't have been in it. You know, he was just flamethrower. Six of eight from the field, 23 points, eight of 11 from the field, got to the free throw line, uh, only hit one of them, had a couple of dimes, had a couple of boards. You know, he obviously lacks the lateral quickness. He's not a, a conventional athlete. You know, he's not a Karis Avert or a Kevin Durant or, or any of those sort of dudes. But he shows at least desire and willingness to, to want to defend. And John Collins, your, na- your name is in my list, my friend. <laughs> I'm coming for you. But what I loved about that play, Nick, and that was, might have been my favorite Joe Harris play from the night. And in a, in a night where he hit six of eight from the three-point land, including like one from 85 feet back, I'm just like, damn, Joe Harris. I, I'm, I'm loving that. But the, my favorite thing was after he was getting tangled up with Collins on the board and Collins is trying to flail him down, Joe's like, get the heck off me, dude. And I'm going to drive and I'm going to run and I'm going to get this foul call on me. And I was just like... That aggression, that mentality, that willingness, that desire—it was, it was something else, man. And 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 there was just, I don't know, we, we, I think we, I've said this on plenty of pods, but because we do game by game analysis, we experience a full range of emotions with these players with each quarter, and it's up and down. And I mean, we can analyze it one by one, but Joe Harris was so freaking important. He was at, up until halftime. He, Joe Harris was the Nets' best player. I thought he did a really good job of making Trey Young work in the first half. Like, Trey Young was getting the best of him, so he returned the favor on the other end of the floor with shooting a couple threes over him, driving to the paint, just making him run around the floor. And like you said, you know, that's the best way you can deal with someone trying to kind of punk you or try to get a tech called on you, whatever your way. Joe's like, okay, whatever you want to do this hook fun stuff, I'm going to outrun you down the court and get a layup at the rim. He was fouled, like you said, got the free throw. So perfect way to play that. And I think these games where Joe starts so hot, it just provides the offense with so much more spacing in the second half because they're just kind of at his hip and they're like, okay, this is the guy we can't let shoot. That's why TLC, I felt like, got more open looks in the second half. He just was a little hesitant tonight. And I thought, you know, in the starting lineup, he did some good things, but he definitely had an adjustment period where he didn't necessarily feel comfortable on both ends of the floor. 
No, and I think that that came greater in the second half because he had the key defensive assignment yep. on Trey Young, and Trey Young, and, he, and 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 the massive defensive play was causing the travel and, and causing the double dribble or whatever yep. the heck it was where he caused the double step, and that was uh, an awesome defensive play because Trey was getting to the line, he was getting you know under the basket at will and causing the referees to make every single call like he's James Harden now. You know, he's got the two-year-old haircut. You know, it's just like my dude. You live in Atlanta and have the worst haircut in the NBA. He can get it. has a barbershop in it. Hey, we can... has a barbershop in it. We'll let him. We'll let him have the poor haircut this season. Once the once the pandemic's over and then the establishments are open, that's when we expect it's a better. For five years. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. It's a good point. No excuses. No excuses. But yeah, look, Trey Young is is a great uh, offensive player, and he, he he just got to his spaces. They are a great offensive team, and look, the adjustments are going to have to be made. It's going to be interesting to see. I don't expect it to be uh, 296 points in, in the next matchup in a couple of nights' time. So it'll be interesting to see how both teams make adjustments. The Brooklyn Nets have that second half showed at least a greater defensive communication and a defensive desire and a defensive execution. But there's still a long ways to go. And this is where, you know, I think a lot of people sort of tweeting out, this is where we see the weaknesses of the Brooklyn Nets. But if your greatest weakness is offset by your greatest strength, it does even itself out. But, you know, like I said, in game five of the season, you take it. But in game 55, in game 75 when it's the playoffs, that's when, you know, we hope the adjustments and, and the progression is made. But for now, you know, at least we got the win and at least the offense was just incredible. Yeah, the offense was just next level. And I mean, the first half, you had a lot of defensive communications. The second half, a lot of foul calls. And that's what really, you know, kept Atlanta in the in the game in the second half, I felt like. is like their offense wasn't as smooth, but Trey getting to the line so much and then them being in the bonus early in both quarters, I think, really helped them. It'll be interesting, like you said, Jack, to see the adjustments going to the next game, especially how they deal with the likes of uh, John Collins and a Trey Young. Yeah, look, and Nate Duncan actually put it on, and we were chatting back and forth about, you know, Trey Young's foul flopping, whatever the heck you want to call it, foul drawing. And Nate Duncan put on Twitter, he said, I think Steve Natchez said it's not basketball to the ref in response to Trey Young picking up yet another running up the back foul. And uh, he said he agrees. And look, Nate Duncan's an NBA nerd and, you know, he knows a lot about the game. You were sort of saying to me that you wanted to see Steve Nash get a bit more hype. Um, we saw some Kenny Atkinson Hulk mode out of him a little bit. What did you think of that? Um, in I liked sort of- it. Yeah? I, I really liked it. I thought it was important because of that specific play because, like Nate Duncan said, that's not a basketball play. And at the end of the day, the defender is entitled to his space. So if he runs into Trey Young, that's a foul. But if Trey Young runs into the defender, that's an offensive foul. Or it's no foul at all. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah, it's just because he's smaller and weaker that he gets the call because he's he's if it, if he runs into anyone on the Brooklyn Nets because he's smaller than our smallest okay unless it's Chris Chioza yeah. then um, unless it's Chris Chioza every other Brooklyn Nets player that's going to be playing rotation minutes is bigger and stronger than him. You don't deserve to get rewarded for your weakness, Trey. And you know weak hair game. We flopping game, my dude. You ain't James Harden. At least James Harden, you know, if I'm going to give respect to, you know, the maybe next, 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 next. Oh, man, don't say that more than once. Maybe the next net superstar. That dude at least shows strength to get to the line. Whereas Trey Young is showing weakness to get to the line. So more respect for, for Jimmy H in that beard. Not his off-the-court antics. But uh, at least, you know, Trey Young, man, uh, don't be so little. 
Yeah, I think also, like, it kind of reminds me of Isaiah Thomas back in the Celtics days, and it was just the type of calls that he was getting. And like you said, it's like you're being rewarded for being the smaller player. Even the one where he ran into DeAndre's chest and fell over. Like, DeAndre's entitled to a space. Like, if you're running into a bigger body, that's what's going to happen. Like, you and I are both bigger than Trey Young. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. So, um, I mean, whatever. Let's see how the Nets defend him in the next game. I think also it's important for you to be aware of that type of thing, you know, where he's going to try to bait you into that stuff, where – catch him off guard a couple times, and then he's going to end up having a turnover. And I thought the Nets started to pick up on some of his tricks later in the game. They did. You know, they showed uh, class and, and maturity and just a, you know, a, a knowledge and experience and, and acumen that teams that have been around the wings know what to do. Katie and Kyrie are like, all right, we know what this guy's doing. You know, he's slithering around. I think that he made some sort of snake reference to, to Michael Grady. You know, he, he's, he's a slippery character. Those sort of, and look... You give him credit where credit's due because, like, he's, he's leading a lot of, like, five or six NBA teams or whatever it is, or one or two teams in free throws. He's beating them by himself. And, you know, after watching tonight's performance, I wonder if the, the officiating will, will change somewhat, you know, because I, I know that the Brooklyn Nets and maybe their mentality does change as well because, you know, the uh, the Atlanta Hawks had 35 free throws. You know, Trey Young has however many that he does. I don't really necessarily care. The Nets had 23 themselves. And I think that sometimes... The Nets settle a little bit. Kyrie and KD can settle a little bit. But if they're hitting those shots, you know, I, I understand why they're only getting two or four free throws. But KD seemed to have a, a greater aggression and a greater purpose from the third quarter and beyond. Yeah, and obviously Kyrie shoots a lot of that in-between game stuff yeah. where that's yeah. his spot. So, Trey, like I said, he's still a really good player. And don't get us wrong, like, he still should have taken probably 10 free throws. There was probably three fouls that maybe he didn't deserve. And yep. John Collins did a great job of just taking advantage of the Nets not boxing out. Like, that was really a lot of the case because you saw Joe Harris, you saw Karis Avert, you saw Jeff Green, you saw Jared Allen put bodies on him. But a lot of other guys were not putting a body on John Collins. And that's the difference because he's just – a super springing athlete like he has that second jump mentality yeah i think the adjustments that need to be made obviously you know honing in on trey young and his tendencies and then rebounding there you know the rebound yep. was just god awful unless your name is jared allen and i mean we can we'll rave about jared allen in a little bit but he did a nice job to end the second half yep. and, i mean end the first half my mistake and then, like, at times in the second half, he was a little timid going in there. But at the end of the first half, when he was in the small ball lineup with Jeff Green, he had a really a couple really tough rebounds, but probably not enough. He finished the night with 11. He said he was going to improve from the Charlotte game. He did. Yeah, he set the tone. And, look, he's an awesome player. You know, he almost had a triple-double. We can, we've got a lot to get to. There's probably going to be another 60-minute breakdown. And even though we've got another game coming up in a couple of days. But focusing on the rebounding, 54 to 40, 17 offensive rebounds to 9. It's not good enough. It's simply not good enough, especially when, look, I'm not going to go on one of my DeAndre Jordan rants yet again. But his key skill is rebounding. That's what he should be good at at these days. Whereas now, his key skill is screening, it seems. And what, you're not Rudy Gobert and you're like getting 50 points and screen assists like David Locke on the Locked On Podcast Network is sort of telling us about. I don't care about the screens. Jared Allen can do that and he can do so much more. So look, we we can obviously analyze each player, Nick, but I think a key purpose heading forward, and I also saw when I alluded to on other previous game recaps, there was gang rebounding ha- happening. Yeah. There was a desire to get the ball and get out in transition and get those fast break points. That wasn't there tonight. I, I think it was 
whether it was a mentality thing, whether it was a game plan thing, I think the Nets need to get back get back to that because while it is a simple thing and, and part of it is mentality, I think that there was a lack of desire, a lack of execution on the boards. And if they clean that up, then it goes a long way to having a better result. A hundred percent, because like you said, 17 to nine, like that's a pretty substantial, that's what it was, right, Jack? 17 to nine in offensive rebounds. And so that's like a pretty significant number. And there was a couple times where Atlanta missed their shots, but in in terms of second chance points, it was 24 to 12. So that's a difference in, you know, the game right there. 12 points is pretty substantial. So like you said, I think gang rebounding, it's also a habit because we know the Atlanta team likes to play a lot of five out. So you're going to be closer to the perimeter. So you have to take those couple extra steps in or maybe some of the other teams we played are playing more versatile basketball and focusing more being all different parts of the court where now it's like, okay, Trey Young is like five feet behind the three-point line. I still need to make sure I'm helping rebound, especially if I know Jared Allen got switched on to somebody else. Yeah, I mean, they're going to take threes aplenty and it's just rebounding when a team takes 46 three-pointers you know that that's obviously where, where the tricky part comes in and yep. you know they shot nearly they shot over 39 percent from there you know, and the threes are going to give you the weirder bounces on the rebounds there's going to be rebounds that even if you're in perfect position you're not going to get because of three balls yeah so i, I think that you know the rebound is going to be a little bit wonky against this sort of team and look the nets themselves were 19 or 41 from the perimeter 46.3 percent and you know joe harris shooting six of eight uh, certainly does help that in, in a lot of respects so it, it certainly makes it look a little bit better but 2020 has reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there's no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching with candidate instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only site that moves as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today, take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Yeah, I guess we'll, do we want to dive into to the first half problems, Nick, and then sort of get into some players? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So look, I thought that there was a lot of things, like I love the opening play, you know, that DJ yep. Flair screen getting the Joe Harris open for three. I think that there was a lot of times last season where, you know, when Kyrie Irving was playing with the team that they were trying to get Toyin Prince open or Joe Harris yep. open. I think that 
KD and Kyrie can get thrown at any sort of point in time. I think that set the tone that it's just like, we're going to get our role players open. And we saw that. The role players in the bench kept us going. And I know that I put out a tweet about the, the lineup data and our bench has been not awful, but pretty damn bad. But tonight, they were the reason we stuck in this game. And all of our bench were positive in plus minus, Nick. Plus eight, Jeff Green. Plus seven, Torian Prince. Plus eight, Jared Allen. Plus 11, Carlos Levert. And plus 11 for Landry Shaman. We can dive into those guys as well. But yeah, that first half, you know, they, they set the tone. They really set the tone for us. And yep. they were hitting their shots. They were playing defense. They were communicating. So um, this was a team performance. And I think they lifted us in the first half and kept us hanging around. And then the superstars took us home. Yeah, I think Kyrie started like something like 1 of 10. KD was probably like 4 of 12 or something along those lines. And like you said, bench unit came in, provided some good energy. You know, Karis LeVert's shot was off tonight, but he was racking up the assist. We saw Landry Shamit have a really nice game. Torian Prince had some good moments. I'm liking Jeff Green. And obviously, Jared Allen, just being the player he is, He's starting to like drastically change the game when he comes in just because he's such a monster on the boards, his rolling to the rim, and then also just his ability to be so mobile where a lot of that open space they were getting from DeAndre Jordan being out there wasn't the case with Jared Allen just because he's able to you know, catch up and make up so much time in terms of his recovery speed. Yeah, game changer. I think that's a really good point, Nick. You know, to have a guy of, of his stature coming off the bench, you know, he is a starter. It's plain and simple. He's a starter and he's a closer. You know, that that's yep. and that was shown tonight that he deserves to close out there when a big board is needed, when a big defensive play is needed. You know, the Cam Reddish drive and Joe Harris gave the dinky little foul. You know, Jared Allen's like, no, son, you ain't getting this one. Yeah. Um, he is he's immense. He he is great defensively, and we are very lucky to have a guy of his stature on both ends of the floor. I think that he's passing uh, in the short roll as well. You know, he's that one more- pass he had, the one-handed one going out of bounds to the corner. That was a that was a beautiful play. I mean, that's just the next level that he's going to take. And look, we'll, we'll get the, the stats on the night. 15 points, 13 boards, including five offensive boards, and did have a dime, only a couple of turnovers. You know, he's doing that in 24 minutes. Yep. You know, and it, that's crazy. You, you, I'd, I'd love to look, you know, after a certain sample size, the per 36 numbers for a guy like Jared Allen. I'm sure that they would be crazy. Close and to he's, 20 rebounds almost, right? Oh, man. He, he's one of the best rebounders at the game. It's plain and simple. I don't. I don't. I'm not. When like, he's talk- locked in and playing the way he is right now, he 100% is. And he has been. And like yeah. he's like every single minute that I'm out there, I'm gonna make an impact. You know, th- there's there's few plays where you know we get you know the weak Jared Allen, and you know we can end that narrative already because if you still think that Jared Allen is weak or timid, then you're not watching Brooklyn Nets basketball. Simple as that. His body doesn't allow him to show the physicality that a DeAndre Jordan or a Joel Embiid does. But God damn it, if he makes up for it in every single other area, in desire, in execution, in defensive plays, in offensive boards, he ain't weak, he ain't timid. Jared Allen is aggressive and assured. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the aggression is a definitely a different factor. Like, obviously, he has some physical limitations by his size, like not being ginormous, and John Collins was able to move him a couple times. But it doesn't happen because of lack of effort or lack of aggression. It's just because he's not physically stronger than the other player, which is always going to happen in the NBA. But he makes up for it for his speed and athleticism and his effort. Like, you don't get five offensive rebounds without being playing very, very hard. And I also thought he did a pretty good job of filling in the lane in different areas where Kyrie was driving or Kevin Durant and kind of getting a better feel where to be for those guys, especially for when they make or miss the shot. 
he's and, and we heard on the on the broadcast from Ian Engel and Sarah Kustok and Michael Grady, you know, that Amari Stoudemire is making an impact on him yep. in terms of not necessarily you know his desire or whatever, but his timing and positioning and, and look. Yep. And angles, and and those are the little things that take you from being a great rebounder to being an elite rebounder. I think he's officially in that category. And look, he needs to maintain it. You know, this is now on him. If you want to remain elite, you do it night after night after night, whether it's in December, whether it's in January, February, March, April, May, June, July. And this is the standard for him now. And we are going to get on him. You know, we we have a a level of, 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 you know, of critique that we're going to give depending on how good you are. When you show us your best, we expect at or near your best on a consistent basis. Yep. That's what the best players do. That's what Kevin Durant does. That's what Kyrie Irving does. That's what these superstars do. And, you know, if you don't show it for a certain period, you bounce back and you do it within the game. You don't wait and have a, a putrid one-game performance or whatever. You yeah, go... Bad right, quarter. You have a bad quarter. You have a bad half or whatever. And then you step up and, and you go... You know what? This is this is me. I can still make an impact here. And I think that there's a level of maturity and confidence that Jared Allen is showing. You know, we, we mentioned it about Joe Harris and such. You know, now having Kyrie and Kevin Durant on this team, Joe Harris and Jared Allen as your third, fourth, or fifth best players, there's a swaggering confidence about them now that they are carrying in them from game to game. It's like, you know what? These guys are going to do all the hard stuff. They're going to make all the tough shots and, and get all the highlights. But I'm going to get the clutch rebounds. I'm going to hit the clutch threes. I'm going to show the intensity on both ends of the floor. And you see, you know, there was a point where Kyrie Irving you know, calls out Joe Harris. He's like, you know what? You're not getting out, out quick enough um, in, in transition. And he points, he goes, hurry up, get in the corner. And Joe's like, boom, I'm getting there. And, you know, he called him a great teammate today. That seemed to make the rounds. So I'm just like, is this just like a quote that's being rehashed or recycled? So, look, happy with how, how, they, how these guys are going. Um, there's still obviously some kinks. About, but Joe Harris, you know, it's almost better that we saw our role players step up because it was almost like, oh, well, it's just a KD and Kyrie show. Now we've sort of seen at this early sample size that it ain't all that and the depth can still show um, and, and, and show in a big way. Yeah, no one's going to be perfect for four quarters. And I think, like you said, Jack, playing with Katie and Kyrie and just the team being so good provides confidence for everyone. Like, there's just a different level of swag. And like you said, it's a very defined role for Jared Allen and what he needs to do on the floor. You know what I mean? Like, you're out there to rebound, set screens, roll to the rim. Your life's going to be easier because you're playing with these guys. I also think this situation and the way that Jared Allen played against Atlanta in comparison to the way DeAndre played – this would be a situation where Steve Nash could make the switch in the starting lineup, and I I don't think it would be viewed as badly just because it's so obvious in this situation that, hey, this needs to happen. And then maybe if he could try to make an argument that, like, we just played so much better with Jared and maybe we're putting DeAndre with the second unit. Like, that's what I would do if I was coach. And it, I even saw Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both talk to DeAndre Jordan at separate points during this game yeah. on mistakes that he did make. And obviously, we mentioned off-air, Jared Allen getting some more praise from Kevin Durant after the game. It just seems like something that could happen sooner than later. Brian Lewis with an awesome stat here, Nick. Jared Allen's 60 rebounds off the bench so far are the second most off the bench through a team's first five games since starters were first tracked in 1970-71. And he's done that in limited time. It's not like yeah. he's getting 30 minutes plus. I think his most minutes this season might have been tonight at 24. You know, we'd have to go back and, and, and have a little bit of a look at it. But I can't, I don't think it's more than 27 minutes, to, to, to be honest, in, in that yeah. respect. But, um, and he also had this quote, Nick Vyam, 
Matt Brooks. Um, Jared Allen on DeAndre jumping on his back at the celebration, which I thought was really cool. You see me battling for boards, you know I can handle DeAndre. <laughs> and I can't help but love Jared Allen. What a dude. Yeah, it's great. And obviously the celebration, that relationship being important too. You know what I mean? I feel like DeAndre has done a pretty good job, especially last season in terms of not taking out on Jared Allen for not being the starter. You know what I mean? Like you can see relationships be kind of toxic when you're competing for a spot. And I think winning covers it all, Nick, at the end of the day. And, and one thing I will say, you know, upon your point about, you know, this is a game where it's just like you can go Jared Allen starts. There's a part of me that's just like, you know what? As long as, long as he's out there for a majority of minutes with Karras at some sort of point, we know that their chemistry is clicking and we were both throwing the Dragon Ball Z gifts out there. <laughs> Uh, in relation to um, in, of GT, I can't remember if it was, it was Z or GT. But in saying that, you know, th- they just have such great chemistry and great understanding of each other from, you know, spending their entire careers together in, at the same team and a lot of minutes. And, you know, they've, they've grown together from being, you know, these young dudes that have shown potential to now being, all right, you are solidified rotation players and you need to contribute to a championship run. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost cool if Jared Allen doesn't start. As long as we see what happened tonight, he gets the large share of minutes. You know, I still think that even, you know, the, the amount of minutes that DeAndre Jordan got tonight, 15, I think that's almost, I don't want to see any more than 20 minutes for DeAndre yeah. Jordan unless he's showing us something that he hasn't shown us this season yet, whether that's better better rebounding, whether that's you know, better defensive, you know, the, the blocking is on point because, you know, 15 minutes... Maybe it's a game with... against Joel Embiid or something. You know what I mean? Where Jared Allen can't handle that body. Look, we heard it about, you know, Steve Nash saying in relation to Jonas Valanciunas, we didn't necessarily agree with it. But, yeah, one board in, in 15 minutes isn't good enough for DeAndre Jordan. Hopefully he has the mentality where it's just like, you know what, next game I'm going to step up and, you know, I'm not going to have to wait for this dumb, dumb Australian dude to call me out on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, I mean, ideally, I liked Jared Allen the start, but long as he's getting more minutes, I think that's what we care about the most. You know what I mean? And, uh, say that again, Jack. And closing. That's what yeah, matters. Yeah, and closing, obviously. You know, either him or Jeff Green. I thought Jeff Green and that lineup looked a little bit better than what we saw in the past. We saw a little bit of growth there. I think they're starting to get a feel for each other and what they can do defensively, especially with some of the rotations in a closeout. But that just feels like a little experiment. We're just going to keep seeing until it needs to be fully unlocked against probably one of the more elite teams or one of those teams that really forces you to go small. Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a really, really good point. You know, Alex Schiffer um, made a point about the rebounding because we're sort of on that point. You know, Hawks out-rebounded the Nets by 14, as we alluded to tonight. Allen, uh, Jared Allen said that Atlanta has length, and they send a lot of guys to crash the boards, which makes it hard for the Nets to compete there. You know, they send numbers, you send numbers in return. You know, yeah. I think that the Nets have uh, athletes as, as well. It's not like, you know... You know, Joe Harris isn't a, a poor rebounder, even though he lacks conventional athleticism. You know, the Hawks have the likes, you know, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, these sort of long-rangey dudes. But, you know, I'd rather have Joe Harris battling down there than Kevin Herter. You know, and yeah. look, I think that that board battle is going to be a, a, a battle in itself that could go a long way to determining uh, the result of the game. Yeah, I think the most important thing for the Nets is to box out. Like, it's pretty simple stuff, especially if the team is going to send multiple bodies. You need to put a body on everybody, at least as many guys as you can. And that'll put you in a good position, too, to turn some of those rebounds into transition buckets. Because if they're sending four guys, that means there's only one or two, you know what I mean, going to be at the other end when you're going down there. So uh, it's going to be interesting adjustments for the rebounding front, for the defense front. And then just talking more about the second unit, like we kind of mentioned with Karis Avert, I felt like that shot was off. Really weird. We saw him airball his first two shots, had the third one off the back. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was really bad. 
And then the next one is a pull-up three off the dribble, which is just like, okay, Karis, whatever. And That's, then, you know... comfortable with that, Nick. It, it's weird. Like, we saw him airball a, a catch-and-shoot three, and he's just so much... And look, it's unfortunately the case. He's just so much better, um, you know, with the pull-up and, and off one or two dribbles. Yeah, so it's going to be something interesting to keep an eye on. I feel like he's also a player, and I don't know why I didn't mention this on previous pods. He just takes a little bit of time to get his rhythm going. Like, yeah. We saw it when he came back from injuries uh, with the finger last year, with the ankle the year before. Like, it's going to probably take him a few weeks to fully get his shot and rhythm in play. But I thought he did a nice job, you know, being that passer. And I was looking up to advanced stats today. I don't know what it is after tonight, but I think he led the Nets in uh, potential assist, or he was either first or second with 10. Ah, nice. And look, you know, uh, despite the fact that he was 4 of 13 from the field, he did have eight dimes tonight. You know, led, yep. led the team in, in that regard. KD. Um, also had eight assists. Uh, Kyrie Irving had six assists himself. You know, when the, the ball is moving and there isn't, unless it's Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving ISOing with space on one side of the floor and you've got the other guys on the other side, you know, hanging out on the perimeter. I also thought that as well, Karis Avert was better when KD was out there or Kyrie yeah. was out there. And we, we finally saw, and we mentioned in, in a previous pod, that, you know, will the Nets stagger minutes? And we saw Steve Nash say before the game that it's likely to happen. We gave him a lot of shit on the last pod. But the adjustments that were made in, on this game, in this game, including the staggering of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's minutes, including the, the insertion of Jared Allen over DeAndre Jordan, deserves. And I mean, TLC is a starter. I mean, that remains to be seen. I thought he was solid, not amazing. And I think that you know, after a couple of games, we'll be able to decide. But you know, he had some possessions. So look, credit where credit's due. Yeah, I like the staggering of the minutes, and he didn't even overplay KD or Kyrie. You know, KD played about 35 minutes, Kyrie about 34, so that's not, you know, overdoing it. I felt like it really relieved some of the pressure off Karis Avert, and Karis still kind of ran the show when those guys were out there, and they were almost just kind of helping him, and which kind of makes those minutes a little bit easier for KD and Kyrie, so it's not like, hey, we have you out there kind of carrying the load for the second unit. So really nice stuff from Steve Nash. I guess let's talk a little bit about Jeff Green. I really like the Jeff Green roles that we're seeing in some of those pick and rolls with him and Kevin Durant. And that kind of makes me want to see him cut to the rim a little bit more that second unit, especially when we know things can get stagnant. I thought that the team as a whole was cutting quite well yeah. with Kevin Durant as a facilitator. You know, Toy and Prince, I, I thought, made some good cuts as well. It just changes the trajectory of the floor yep. and changes the, the angles. And Kevin Durant is a, an incredible passer. You know, we've seen that since his Golden State days and beyond. You know, he said he wanted to grow his game after OKC and, you know, molding and, and improving. You know, he's always... It was a complete game from Kevin Durant. You know, I yeah. think his defense was here and there. You know, his first half wasn't amazing, but... The man. young kids definitely had a little extra in the tank against him. Like, they definitely were like, oh, that's Kevin Durant. Like, Cam Reddish hit a couple nice threes over him. Like, yeah, I was yeah. impressed. They were tough yeah. threes. Like, the, a couple other Hawks players were scared to pull up. He said, no, you know, it, I don't care if it's Kevin Durant, I'm Cam Reddish. So, props yeah. to him. No, I like Cam Reddish. I've, I've always been a fan of his ever since, you know, coming in uh, out of Duke. I've always been high on him. But, yeah, in I thought that the the bench and Jeff Green, you know, I put out on Twitter, best vet minimum signing in the league in the offseason. There are few guys this in This past offseason, I don't think there's anybody better on the vet minimum. I'd have to dive through the books. I don't know if Duncan Robinson's still pretty close to vet minimum. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's different. It's sort of like, you know, TLC yeah. as well. You know, TLC is on a, a similar, and I think he's on even less than the vet minimum. And we've got both of those guys. And that's what team building is, Nick. You know, that's yeah. where you have Sean Marks, you know, finding these diamonds in the rough and creating a roster where you have Jeff Green wanting to take the vet minimum and contribute. Because the way he's playing right now, you know, he's exceeding that value and then some. 
you know, you do, you look beyond the box score for, you know, five points, two rebounds and, and an assist. You know, that three ball looks incredibly fluid and, you know, he's going to hit one, two. You know, there might be a night where he gets super duper hot as well and, and, and is a bit of a flamethrower. But, man, when the ball comes out of his hands, I'm just like, you know what, I expect this to go in. It looks pretty. I think his switchability is definitely very helpful for this team in lineups they can unlock. He's not a lockdown defender, but I thought he did a pretty good job of holding his own against some of the more athletic guys in Atlanta when they were playing that small ball lineup, and that's really the whole purpose of it. It kind of eliminates some of those pick and rolls that were running. Big time, big time. So, I mean, Nick, let's stay on the bench. Toy and Prince and Landry Shamit were getting a lot of shit from myself and you and everyone on Nets Twitter. They bounced back big time. Five of five from the field for both of them. Two of two from three for both of them. Uh, it was a, a great bounce back performance. And look, Toy and Prince seems to do this a lot against the Atlanta Hawks, his yeah. former team. But Landry Shamit, you know, full credit to both of them for showing. Uh, the, the, the one play that stuck out for me when it came to Landry Shamit, and I'm going to probably put it on Twitter at some point, hopefully before the next game, was him closing out and driving and, and finishing high off yeah. the glass. I thought that yeah. showed a of athleticism, intelligence, and shot making that I'm like, that's what we need from Landry Shaman. And you know, when he's feeling the three ball and when everything else is is uh, is working, it's just gravy. Yeah, I really like the drives from him. And I thought it was smart of him to attack some of the smaller defenders. I think one of those drives was on Trey Young, where he's just like, okay, I'm bigger than this guy. I'm going to be able to finish over him. And I've I've liked the way that Landry Shamit has played. He just hasn't been hitting his shots. And tonight we saw him hit his shots. I also like his off-ball defense. I think he does a pretty good job on that end of the floor. Just a, a lot of effort over there. You know, where he's not going to ever be a lockdown guy, but you like the effort he puts in. and He can be part of a good defense. And like you said, Torian Prince, Kind of always plays well against Atlanta. Hit all of his shots tonight, but I will say he made a couple nice cuts tonight, which yep. you kind of reference on the Kevin Durant playing point guard stuff. And I really enjoyed watching KD run the show. It's almost something I'd like to see more of. Yeah, look, it's point guard Durant. You know, we, we heard in the preseason, he's going to play from one to five. And, you know, there is not a more versatile player on both ends of the floor in the NBA right now. That makes him the best player in the NBA. You know, maybe I'm going to have to change those top 50 rankings with Cable and, you know, put the edit, edit the document so we can uh, update it. But he was immense tonight. And, you know, sticking with the bench and sticking with the team overall, I wanted to just make a point that while the Nez defense certainly has a way to go, I was a lot less confident because I'm like, oh, man, these guys, this is some bad. We've got some bad defenders in terms of that. Whereas it's like looking at the 10-man rotation tonight, and it's probably going to be the ten, this 10-man rotation if not you sub in a TLC or whoever else or a Shamit or a Prince, all of those guys should be capable defenders or better. Kyrie Irving, probably not. Kyrie Irving, it's going to be hit and miss. But when he wasn't playing good offensively, other than maybe like one or two possessions, you know, he was doing the hustle things on the offensive boards and trying to, you know, be pesky and such. So I think that out of this 10-man rotation, while the Nets as a collective have a ways to go to develop and, and solidify themselves as a defensive unit, I think individually and you know going and you know as they progress, I think that they're gonna be okay. I think they can get there. Yeah, I think communication's the biggest aspect for them. Because they have a pretty good idea what their strengths are. Like we have great rim protectors. Like as much as DeAndre pisses us off, he's still a solid rim protector at his size, just being a big body down there. And then you have the luxury of having Kevin Durant out there most of the time too. So now all of a sudden your rim protection is fine. Now you just want those guards to, and those wings to be switching a lot and communicating and also playing with active hands. And I thought at different points in this game, we saw some of that disruption that was kind of missing in some of the previous games. So just getting back to that. And like you said, I think I feel a little bit more confident too about 
about what the Nets can be defensively. They obviously could still use a, a piece or two on that end of the floor, but there's at least hope that they can at least be solid to above average. And I, and I think that you, you play against your competition. Sometimes you, you step up to your competition. Sometimes you step down yeah. your competition. You know, against the, the defense Boston against Celt- Boston was really good. Yeah, I was literally about to say that. You know, the, the game against the Boston Celtics showed that they can be a quality of defensive unit if they are locked in and the communication's there and the execution is there. And look, going there's a stat that um, Mike Mazzeo um, put out on Twitter. And this is, a, this is a call I wanted to bring to you, Nick. The, in the final 5.30 of the game, Duran and Irving scored the final 20 points while Trey Young who was awesome, um, Spent went tw- two of five from the field with two turnovers, a uh, good adjustment by Nash, putting the bigger defender on him. I think that is a, a, a decent thing as well, you know, showing length to him. You know, there were times where Jeff Green got switched on to him, yep. you know, and I sort of remember that's just like, you know, it's always harder to finish over the top of those guys. He's got a really nice floater game, and you know, he's a, it's a tremendous uh, perimeter threat. So I think that the defense there and the adjustments, as, as we sort of alluded to with Nash, um, they, they were positive. And look, Durant and Irving uh, are in a class of their own. Yeah, and I think that's also the example of the luxury of having two elite closers. Yeah. Where the Hawks have just Trey Young. And like, there's other really good players in that team, but nobody who's an all-star level player or even in close to being in the Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving category. And the fact the Nets have two of these guys, where if you need someone to get you a bucket when the defense locks up, both these guys can do. And it just happened that Kyrie was in fuego mode in the fourth. Yeah, look, that fourth quarter from Kyrie Irving, there was a part of me, because uh, I can't remember which podcast or which person referenced it, that Kyrie Irving has taken the, the overwhelming majority of shots in the fourth quarter in comparison to Kevin Durant. Now, is that sustainable or is that going to change going forward? I don't know. It's a small sample size. You know, a part of me was like, man, I hope Kyrie shares the ball a little bit more here. But um, if you hit any shots the way that he was, I don't care if you're sharing the ball. And he's just that damn good of a shot maker. Uh, it's it's incredible. You know, he, he is a joy to watch, and uh, and, and uh, there's words can't explain just how good he is. He's just he just makes it look effortless. You know that one sidestep three he had on oh. John Collins. I was just like, yo, he looks like he's just having fun at the park where he's shooting by yourself. Like he he didn't act like John Collins was even there. And I feel like also it might almost be a little bit easier for times for Kyrie to kind of create something out of nothing just because of his ball handling you know what i mean when the game gets a little bit more locked up where kevin durant obviously can get you a bucket wherever but i just feel like Kyrie has just been able to just be the aggressor there and i think katie doesn't mind because he's been cooking and hitting a lot of those shots yeah look uh, i think that both of them have a an understanding and a synergy um already that you know friendship brings as we sort of alluded to uh, on previous sort of pods and you know, Kevin Durant was still for me the the Nets' best player tonight, Nick. Yeah. And you know, Kyrie Irving's second half was just crazy. It was it was insane. But you know, Kevin Durant, eleven to twenty two from the oh, and for, for those playing long at home, Kyrie Irving, twenty five points, ten to twenty seven from the field. That three ball wasn't falling early, but he did end up hitting I think two or three in in the second half. Did have six assists uh, as well as a couple of boards and a couple of steals too. You know, like I mentioned, that sort of peskiness. But Kevin Durant. Uh, fringe triple double. You know, it was as good of a triple double performance as we've probably seen from, you know, uh, Russell Westbrook. I'd rather have this performance than a <laughs> Russell Westbrook meaningless triple double. Um, shout out to the Washington Wizards um, and my guy uh, JBT Nick. But 33 points, 11 boards, eight assists, a steal, a block, nine and nine free throws, which I really liked, and some of those were junk time as well. Uh, two or six from three, and you know, I think that's going to continue to improve. But man, uh, masterful display, Kevin Durant. Um, it's 
Hard to imagine that this guy had one of the most serious injuries you can ever attain Knock on wood. in sport. <laughs> and not and like he had it. Like it, it's happened. Yeah. But he's come back and it's just like, man, it's it's five games in and we are unworthy of how good he is right now. It's insane the level of execution and level of elite play on both ends of the floor that he's showing. Yeah, and even the way he talks in the post game, you know, with Michael Grady afterwards, it kind of feels like he still has a little bit more to go. Like he he's making it seem like there's a little bit of rust still there, and he hasn't completely got his rhythm. You kind of saw that to start the game, like we mentioned earlier, wasn't hitting all of his shots, but he's just a pleasure to watch because, like you said, Jack, he can do it in literally every way: pull up, lay up, dunk. Oh yeah, I'm gonna set my teammates up for easy pass. I'm gonna run some pick and roll. That was the best part of tonight, Nick. Don't you think was the the eight assists? Yeah, the pick-and-roll offense from him was unstoppable because, like, you're forced to help so much, especially when you have a good role man in Jared Allen or a good role man, and even DeAndre Jordan he had some nice chemistry with, and Jeff Green at other times. It really doesn't matter who it is. Kevin Durant's going to find a way to make it work, and the other guys kind of just fed off that energy. Yeah, and he can see because, you know, he's, yep. like, seven foot tall. He's just like, I can see where every player is coming from. He and look, mentioned that he felt like the vision was coming back tonight. I don't know if you heard that comment. I didn't, I didn't. But that, that's, a, that's a good thing. I think that comes from just, you know, game reps and experience. Yep. And uh, He was just masterful, absolutely masterful whenever he had the ball in his hands. And um, it, we are privileged to be able to to recap these guys, Kevin Rank, Kyrie Irving. It's a, a goddamn privilege. They are superstars of the highest order. It, it's just incredible the the way that they are showing off and it's just like it's almost too much of a good thing in certain respects it's just like Kyrie Irving had some insane plays probably against Boston and against Charlotte that I'm just going to forget like that one-legged fadeaway or whatever yeah. like and it's just like oh he just has a sidestep three here and, and a drive into the lane there's almost just like too much but and rather than sort of like you know too much of a good thing you know it's just like ah oh, I'm having too much chocolate cake here it's going to make me feel sick this is too much of a good thing it's just like you know all you can eat buffet at um, cheesecake factory of something. NBA Jeez. highlights. Like, oh, man, it's just... Uh, I, like we talked about, like, Karis hasn't even really got it going, and we mentioned, like, KD and uh, Kyrie can take over in the fourth. Like, we've seen games where he's gotten hot, and he's just kind of knocking down everything. And you've mentioned with Joe Harris, like, there's just so much offensive firepower, and these guys are far from clicking on all cylinders, and they just dropped 145. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 crazy. These are going to be two of the better, two of the better, if not top five, offenses in the league this season. I would be surprised. You know, Atlanta could be top ten. You know, the Nets are, should be, but just given their superstar talent as well as their role players and, and acumen from the perimeter and, and elsewhere. But the Hawks have make... really good depth. I think they'll probably be like top three in the East in terms of offense, just because like. I mean, the way Bogdanovich was playing off the bench for them, like yeah. that dude was just hitting shots contested with people like in his mouth. Like what? Yeah, and, and it sucked that Gallinari got injured so early as well. Yeah. Um, so a uh, shout-out to him. Hopefully he gets himself, you know, that ankle uh, heals up nice and quick. And, you know, Jar Morant, we, we heard the news with him. So hopefully positive things going forward in reference to the injuries. Nick, I wanted to make a Dragon Ball Z reference in relation to Kevin Durant. You know, right now he's like Super Saiyan 2 Goku. You know, he, okay. he's, he's feeling it. He's going all right. But he ain't anywhere near the length of, like, Super Saiyan 4 Goku with, like, the sexy red hair and everything. He is building, and he is only going to get better. You know, Super Saiyan 2 Goku is going to kill mofos left, right, and center. You know, the Atlanta Hawks, you know, these sort of dudes. But once it comes to the end of the season, it's, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, Los Angeles Lakers, and the Clippers. Look, I'm not saying that it's going to be a consistent, you know, Goku and, and Gohan about to go to that hyperbaric time chamber a million times to get themselves going. That's what these 72 games are going to be for, my man. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know how caught up you are on uh, Dragon Ball Super, but 
you know, Katie, by the time it's the finals, he might be an ultra instinct. So that's something, <laughs> something crazy. That's just perfection in which I think that's what we kind of expect from Katie by that time, just getting a taste of what we have. But Jack, any other players you want to talk about tonight? Uh, look, Nick, it's worth giving a shout out to TLC's defense. And, and I yep. think that it's going to grow and he deserves to start for this team, given what he's shown in previous games and, you know, in, in the latter points of the bubble as well. If he continues to show high level of defensive execution on a consistent basis, he's going to maintain an, an, a stronghold on that starting position because, look, as much as I, I want to need me some Bruce Brown in some sort of respect, TLC right now seems to be the, the defensive guy to throw on Trey Young and Stephen Curry and these sort of guys going forward. Yeah, and I think his three balls eventually going to start falling, and he's going to start to kind of find his groove in the offense. And honestly, like I felt like there was points in the first quarter where he didn't touch the ball for minutes. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's not a terrible thing because he's the fifth starter and he understands his role. And like you said, you know he's improved a lot defensively. He's really cut down the fouling. Well, I don't know if you remember when we first saw him come yep. up, he yep. was fouling like three times in two minutes. So now he's really understanding that side of the basketball, and then also just you know, his size, you know, he's just a little bit bigger than Joe Harris. I think he's got a little bit more strength than Spencer Dinwiddie. So it honestly could end up being a perfect fit in the starting lineup in terms of the versatility he provides on the defensive end of the floor. Oh man, this is, this is why I love hearing KD speak to, um, to, to the press because his knowledge of basketball is second to none. He is one of the smartest human beings when it comes to this sport ever. Um, Alex Schiffer. Kevin Durant says John Collins may be the best in the NBA at slipping out of screens. Said it was hard yeah. to switch that when it was happening. And the Nets have a switching defense. And I think that that is the right principle to have because it's going to lead to the most success going forward. And look, yeah. it didn't work for the Houston Rockets, but I think given the cattle that the Brooklyn Nets have, I think that that's going to work better than a, a drop coverage. And I think that there's going to be differences and, and changes. But man, that John Collins, I think, is underrated as well as a player. And look, he didn't get that big contract. But Kevin Durant giving us that little bit of tidbit of knowledge, um, it just shows to me that he knows where the strengths are. It's just sometimes when a guy is so good at something, it's hard to stop it. Yeah, especially when you're switching because you're so used to switching horizontally. You know what I mean? Vertically, it's a little bit more difficult. Or And also, John Collins is you know an elite athlete oh, for the big man position. He's he's honestly, he's probably quicker than Jared Allen, which is a surprise. You know what I mean? Because Jared Allen's one of the quicker bigs in the league. And he's also very strong. Like, he just has that, that muscle to him. I feel like he has some probably really good core strength in the way that he kind of, like, is able to change his body midair. And like I mentioned earlier, he has that like springy jump where like he jumps and then he's up in the air in less than a second again. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And uh, Matt Brooks as well. Um, man, I wish I could. Uh, I want one day. My goal in life is to speak to Kevin Rand on a Zoom or some level of a post conference. But he says this, another really great tid tidbit. And I think he himself probably has been guilty of this. Kevin Rand says the Nets are over helping and need to work on when to stay home and when not to. I think that in a certain respect, Nick, would you prefer them to be, would you prefer to be in the camp of overhelping? Because at least it shows that they're trying to stick to that principle of switching and, and, and everything else rather than not doing it well enough. Because I think that that's where the Nets' weaknesses were at the, latter, at the early points of last season. There was a lack of communication. They weren't um, you know, being able to go, okay, you come here, you come here. All right, I'll help you. There's just that innate sense of, you know, okay, I'll make the switch here. You know, I'll go under, I'll go over. I think that that's in a better spot to be um, than not. Am I right? Am yeah, I wrong? I'd rather overhelp. I'd rather be showing effort and like making good mistakes instead of not doing anything. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. you said, overhelping, and then like they just need to work on the communication aspect of that, like making sure their situations. And then it's also kind of learning your teammates and who they can hold in front of them. And let's be honest, like some of the other nets are used to overhelping maybe because they're used to having teammates that are really bad on the perimeter. And I, yeah. I think like I understand Katie's comments, but also at times like you've brought this up in the past and we saw it again tonight, a little too aggressive on some of those closeouts. And he can make yeah. up for it a lot of times, and I wonder if that's him trying to bait, but I don't know if his teammates understand that yet either. Yeah, and look, I think that those close, and, and I think it makes sense why, because the Atlanta Hawks are an incredible perimeter team, a perimeter shooting team. So you want to close out hard, but then, you know, sometimes you get some nice DeAndre Hunter plays and drives that you don't expect or Cam Reddish. You know, we know Trey Young can do it, and we know, you know, uh, some of the players on the roster can do it. So, yeah, it's going to be that balance uh, at the end of the day. And um, it's good to know that you have Kevin around who probably knows all this stuff already. Um, and it's just being able to, like, communicate it in a way that everyone can execute and execute himself because you'd rather it's, it's a good thing to have the likes of Kevin Durant. Uh, and Kyrie Irving, these guys who are basketball savants, have seen everything in the NBA already, and they go, yeah, that's what's happening here. This is how we kind of change it. This is how we can kind of fix it, um, rather than sort of, you know, this sort of young and molding sort of roster. Right now, these guys know what to do. We just need to execute. No, the t- sorry, the team just needs to execute. And that includes KD and Kyrie as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think also overhelping is going to stick out more against a team like Atlanta. Like we talked about, they can play five out lineups. John Collins can shoot threes. Almost everybody on their roster about, except maybe Clint Capella can shoot threes. Even I think Rondo knocked one down tonight. Oh no, he missed, but Solomon Hill was three of five. So like they have numerous options to hit you with. So that's something to kind of keep in mind for different matchups and things along those lines. But Jack, anything else you wanted to touch on in terms of players or the team in general? Uh, I wanted to touch on Nick, the adjustments, we, we sort of touched on them somewhat, but to sort of finish, because, you know, this the back-to-back against the teams uh, is going to be happening regularly this season. So it gives us an opportunity to analyze this game and see and sort of talk about what we think needs to change, you know, from a fan perspective and, you know, from a, an armchair sort of perspective. What do you think needs to change, you know, going into, is it Friday, I think we're facing them again? Yes, Friday. Today's Wednesday. Yep, I think it is. Yep. Yeah, lost with the holidays. But... Oh, man. So the, the day from, like, the, the 24th to... No, the, sorry, the 26th to the 30th, the time doesn't exist. Feels like two days. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I feel like the Nets kind of helped me stay in line. Uh, I think, most importantly, the, the most... The easiest thing to correct is the rebounding. Yeah. Like, that's a thing that you can control. And like we talked about, boxing out is going to be very important, especially if you are switching so much. And I think that's something a lot of the Nets need to get used to. Hey, this happened to DeAndre, and as much shit as we give DeAndre, if DeAndre's switching out and trying to defend Trey Young on a floater, someone has to have his back when it comes to Clint Capella or John Collins to put a body on them. And that goes for also when they're making rolls on the oop. If you're asking your big to step up, you need to have their back when they're rolling to the rim. So that's an area that they easily can correct. Um, What else you got, Jack? I got some more, but if we go back and forth. No, I wanted to sort of touch on that point. You know, the gang rebounding for me is going to be a, a key thing. And we sort of heard, you know, that they've got a lot of athletes and this is what the players have said in the post games. You know, cool, but we've got a lot of guys and we can execute on that end of the floor. We've shown it, you know, even, you know, against Charlotte, despite the fact that we played poorly, 
I think it's a key principle of the system. At least it's something that I think is going to be a key, especially to key principle the, every team. You got to rebound. <laughs> yeah, but I think also as well for the Nets to get out in transition and get to get fast break points, and that's when the Nets look greatest offensively. You know, Kyrie can dance on some fools and get some layups. KD can use like my dad was making the point. It's just like he got to the hoop in like one step. You know, he's yeah. long as hell. He's like Giannis. It's just like he's a little bit skinnier than Giannis. But that yeah, sidestep layup he likes to go to in transition when he has a stride on the defender he kind of like surprises them with a body hit and then just kind of like lays it in yeah. that, that's a beautiful move yeah he's he's beautiful in in a lot of ways <laughs> mr durant um he's he's a goddamn marvel but yeah i think that rebounding is is a big one nick what what were some other things yeah i think the defensive communication which is probably going to be an ongoing thing but obviously you want to get that cleaned up against a team like atlanta and making sure you have bodies on the best three-point shooters like if bogdanovich starts the game three for three you can't afford to give him five open looks the rest of the game. You know what I mean? Because he's that level of a player. I think also, we talked about it too, be a little bit more aware of Trey Young and some of the things he's going to do to get foul calls, especially with that step back into your body to get to the foul line and allows them to kind of get into the bonus. And, you know, the John Collins slip thing that Kevin Durant just referenced. Yep. Look, the, those are all, you know, key things to, to getting the W yet again. And the Nets have the... It's not that they can't execute those things. All of those things are correctable. And, yep. and I think that you know the Atlanta Hawks are going to make their adjustments as well. So it's going to be interesting. There's a part of me that kind of does like this, you know, back-to-back versus the same thing because there's a little the bit of a taste. Yeah, it's a little bit of a playoff taste. There's a little bit like a rivalry kind of thing I know on full access paces. Corey's enjoying sort of like, you know, the Boston, the two Boston Celtics games. You know, it was a fun game as much as like, you know, it was up and down. And there was anger, there was frustration, and there was elation. Um, you know, it's this is what it's going to be like going for the Brooklyn Nets this season. But yeah, I think There was that, some chippiness too. Yeah, I, I thought that the, the chippiness towards the end, you know, TLC gets the travel on him and Trey's trying to hold the ball. He's like, give me the freaking ball, my dude, with the toddler hair. Um, and look, for, for those that haven't seen the meme, check it out. You know, it's a, there's, a, there's a baby um, diaper uh, pr- uh, a product and the, the baby face um, has Trey, look, looks like Trey Young. Um, Some and I, babies pop out with better hair than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dudes, I, I was uh, I was dropping the flames early on the last pod. You're dropping them out late, and hopefully no one's listening. Hopefully Trey, I ain't listening at home. But subscribe, still Trey. You know we'll give you some love. You know you're still a good player, my dude. You're still an absolutely elite uh, offensive player. But any other things you wanted to touch on it before? We- more of Jeff Green in the next game in some of the small ball lineups because it was pretty effective in kind of matching up with the Hawks and their style. Yeah, I think that this early point of the season, Nick, is about figuring out what works and yep. going, okay, oh, that kind of works. That small ball lineup does work there. Oh, maybe we're going to have Karras and Curry, or maybe we'll stagger it a little bit more. All those sort of little things, I'm sure Steve Nash and the coaching staff are taking note of. You know, Ime Yudoka, um, I think, made a point at the halftime, sort of saying that their communication does need to improve, like you sort of referenced as well. So I think that all those sort of little things, you know, this sort of the first 10, 20 games of the season are going to be like, okay, what works? What lineups work? What rotations work? If you, you could take away, you know, four minutes you know, and give Kate DeAndre 10, 12 minutes, give those to Jeff Green or whatever. Um, I, I think that there's certain things going forward. And I think that the Nets still have a lot of, you know, chips up their sleeve or whatever the, however they're saying. They still goes. have a lot of lineups they haven't touched. We got to see a couple new ones tonight, which was pretty fun, like the Levert and Kyrie and the Levert and KD and some of that stuff. And I think we even saw a small glimpse of a small ball lineups that didn't even have Kyrie, but I might be mistaken on that, where Jeff Green was out there for center for a quick minute and there was, I think, Landry Shaman and somebody else. I, but, I think I remember that one as well. It's, you know, the, the lineup that is always fun to look at. Um, yeah. 
and and look, it's not going to be the most exciting season to look at it too. Yeah, because uh, because the Nets have so many guys in the rotation. And look, Tyler Johnson, Bruce Brown, Nicholas Claxton. Uh, the, the news around Nicholas Claxton, I think we heard today as well, Nick, is that um, it's still a couple of weeks away until we see him again. But it was good to get that update. Yeah, and obviously he has some form of tendonitis or something very similar to that. So it's kind of like a hard thing to recover from because you don't want to re-aggravate the injury. So obviously they're going to be super conservative with him. Jack, any specific adjustments you can uh, see from the Hawks? Like one thing that popped in my mind was they started to blitz KD and Kyrie a little bit more on the pick and roll in the fourth quarter. I don't know if that was just kind of an end of the game thing, but do you think they'll play them a little bit differently in this second game? Yeah, I think that that is certainly something that has success against the better teams. You know, the James Harden's of the world, the Stephen Curry's of the world. But if you blitz one of them, then maybe that's when, yeah, you you don't necessarily have to stagger those lineups. Maybe that's when you have KD and Curry out there a little bit more often than this sort of time. You know, the the to and fro and and the Lloyd Pierce is a great coach. And I think he's not getting enough credit for how the Atlanta Hawks are playing. Everyone's just sort of pointing it down to, oh, they've got good players now. Yeah, well, you got to actually... playing the same way. They just changed the players out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think Lloyd Pierce deserves some credit for being able to, you know, for Trey Young's development, for a, a lot of different things. And you know, the, the coaches are the first ones to get criticized, as you know, I did quite a bit on the last podcast, and they're the, the first ones to sort of, you know, the last ones to receive any any level of praise. And we gave Steve Nash's praise tonight for for a lot of the good things, and hopefully, there's more good things than bad things in the next game. Um, and look, there was some. Things that had success, there was things that didn't have success. So, uh, I mean, I'm still hoping for some Bruce Brown, Nick. Throw Bruce Brown on Trey Young for a couple of possessions, even if it's 10 minutes. I wouldn't mind seeing it. But, you know, I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes, as I've said a million times. So, we'll have to wait and see what... Uh, I think that, you know, we're not going to... I doubt we're going to see a shootout, because I don't think both coaches are going to want to see uh, that level of offense from both teams. Yeah, I still think we'll see triple digits, though. I think we'll see something in the 110. Probably. one. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just because there is so much offense in this game. But it should be another fun one. It's going to be fun to see how the Nets and the Hawks both adjust in this game. And also how guys play going against the same team again. You know what I mean? Will Kyrie start this game hot? Will KD have some different type of rhythm? It's going to be something to keep an eye on. But Jack, always a pleasure. One thing I wanted to touch on, Nick, I think someone did bring it up. Like you sort of mentioned about, you know, are they going to start hot or whatever? There could have been, you know, the fact that they didn't play the last game that that was a reason that they sort of came out cold because their reps yeah. weren't necessarily there. So I don't expect that to happen, do you? No, I think they'll be hotter this game. I think yeah. it's just like you're going against the same team, and like especially Kyrie, who found a lot of rhythm inside the paint and in the you know in that elbow range, and maybe you know KD start to feel himself too going against some of these weaker Atlanta defenders. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe a little bit more targeting from the Nets too in terms of hey, you want to play Bogdanovich? Oh, you want to play Trey Young? Okay, we're gonna cook that lineup and we're gonna really make you play pay. Yeah, there's there's certainly every reason for that. Um, I think a quote to end with would will be perfect, Nicholas, uh, is Landry Shamet on Joe Harris's three-point shooting. He does everything picture perfect. Landry, <laughs> I love you, my guy. That's a great way to get on Jack's good side. And as always, big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can catch the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.